Welcome to The Art of Making, EIT Manufacturing's podcast where we talk to leading entrepreneurs, technologists, researchers and policymakers about the state and future of the European manufacturing industry. I am your host, Maxime Montmorency, and this is The Art of Making. We had a very insightful chat with Hannes Hunchowski, the Managing Director of EIT Manufacturing East. He has over 40 years of global leadership experience in the manufacturing industry and has led over 2,000 people on multiple continents. Hannes, thank you so much. You're the first guest. I mean, it's very close for you. Of course, you're just coming down the stairs, the first guest in our impromptu studio, so he's not joining online. Welcome and thank you so much for having the time or making the time to be here today. I've uh, just introduced you as someone with 40 years of global leadership experience in manufacturing companies. I think you're the perfect person to talk to about global leadership. Well, thank you so much, Maxim. Thank you for the invitation and, and good luck to your you know, podcast project. I think it's really exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's a topic that I don't usually dive into a lot because it's not my core business and definitely not my core business with EIT uh, manufacturing, but it's a skill set that has followed me over 40 years uh, and uh, from from small groups of three people uh, to a maximum of about two and a half thousand people mm -hmm. um, in in a global leadership position have me you know taught a thing or two. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm, I'm more than happy to share some of the insights with you today. Yeah, fantastic. Um, you started off pretty young, right, in your first management or leadership position. How, how was that for you? Well, it's actually, um, so I, I had, uh, at my studies at the University of Innsbruck, I had a formal education for leadership. And I was working with a company that uh, was called GE Yenbacher, it's now called Inyo. It's a manufacturer of cogeneration units out of Tyrol. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked there next to my studies uh, in, in project management as well as in marketing later on. And when I was done uh, with, my, with my studies and you know, actually based on my uh, master thesis, they offered me a job as uh, the you know vice president for sales and marketing at age 25, which was you know uh, on the one hand uh, extremely exciting, on the other hand uh, extremely scary. Um, you know, having the responsibility for half a billion in sales, having the responsibility for almost 60 um, team members. Already. Already, yes. So <laughs> that, that was very exciting, and then. Because of that position, I was also moved into general responsibility of some of our subsidiaries, became general manager uh, in the Netherlands, in Denmark, in Germany, in Italy. So yes, I was thrown in uh, fairly early and uh, I was thrown in uh, you know, at a time with you know, sink or swim kind of, mm -hmm. of, of uh, approach. And so um, it, it, was a, it was an interesting experience because I recognized fairly quickly that leadership cannot be learned by being taught. In, in the books. In the books, right, yeah. out of the books. Uh, and, and that continued later on. I don't know how many dozens of leadership trainings I did over the course of the year. And of course, um, you, you learn also a lot by mimicking the, um, the, the good leaders that you entail during mm -hmm. the course of the time. 
Um, at the same time, you learn also from the bad leaders, the, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that not to do's. Mm -hmm. um, but what I um, realized uh, over time, and, and I started noting down things about 20 years ago, was that there are a couple of things that I think are important for existing and future leaders mm -hmm. to have a better understanding of, and they are not taught, uh, not in any of the courses I've been, not in any of, of the workshops I've been. So I put that together into a little booklet and I called the 10 Leadership Lessons that Nobody Will Teach You. And uh, just by the response I've gotten over the years, um, and I have taught that at you know several occasions as, as speaker on, on various conferences. The feedback was always, "Wow, we never thought about that, right?" Or this this, this was uh, the first time I heard that. But you are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I put that together and I make that available. Again, EIT manufacturing is not necessarily uh, the the you know organization to teach you leadership, but I think it's a, an interesting. Um, and different focus mm -hmm. and you know m manufacturing companies large manufacturing companies need a lot of leadership they're a large organization international organization where you have uh, you know also the cultural differences that you need to take care of so I think it's it's good for people to mm -hmm. hear that and know a little bit about it yeah absolutely and it's that's exactly why we're here today to talk a little bit about these leadership lessons that people don't teach you so you started teaching them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what, what attracted you to leadership? You know, you're 25, just out of university, and they tell you, look here, you can be a VP of sales and marketing. Why did you say yes? Nothing. I couldn't even, I couldn't, until that point of time when I was asked to step into that role, I couldn't even have imagined to become a leader. I was, you know, an educated engineer. I was doing engineering stuff, and then I was doing marketing stuff because I finished my studies there. And, uh, and it was never in the widest, wildest dreams that I was thinking that I'm going to be you know, a leader going forward. This, this offer and the people who made the decision to put me in that position um, gave me then some you know, basis to believe that they see something in me that I don't or don't yet. And so I said, uh, okay, can I think about it? <laughs> and they said... <laughs> Yeah, you can think, and it was just, just before Christmas that I was asked. And um, I said, I'm going to think about it over the Christmas break. I'm going to give you an answer in January. Mm -hmm. and, um, and during that time, I had a lot of discussions with a lot of people, including uh, some key team members. And, uh, and their reinforcement, uh, you know, strengthened me in the decision to, to take that challenge and, to, you know, grow into a leadership position. Mm -hmm. So... You mentioned before that a lot of these these things cannot be thought, right? So, I mean, I've also had leadership courses at university, right? And, and you hear a number of things that, that you cannot really put into practice immediately. And definitions of leadership are a dime a dozen, yeah. if we're honest. So what is for you a leader? That's a very good question that cannot be answered within <laughs> one podcast. But um, the so so there there are four research streams where scientists are trying to figure out uh, what is the right leadership person. Yeah, from from uh, you know being born as a leader, so personality traits uh, to you know learning how to become a leader, and the, the, all those research. 
uh, directions have uh, valid inputs but have also flaws. So it's a very complex uh, thing to say, you know, what's a perfect leader and what's not a perfect leader. What I try to do with my students is to make a, a clear differentiation be between the manager and the leader. And uh, for me there, the, the most important thing is that a leader has to have a vision. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are colleagues of mine and, and researchers that are saying CEOs should be renamed to CVOs, Chief Vision Officers, mm -hmm. um, that give you the long-term perspective, that give you an, an opportunity to look forward and, and go get to a, a goal, a, a long-term objective. And that's always what I was trying to do, so that I saw it to uh, paint as colorful as possible a beacon, a picture out there where we want to get to, mm -hmm. and then develop a strategy that helps them to get there. And then the third point is you need to be always there to move away the obstacles mm -hmm. that they encounter in going in this direction. So those three things for me is clearly leadership, Whereas the day-to-day -day, um, activities of, of you know, managing employees and, and, and dealing with uh, operative issues, that's more on the management side. Right, right. That's interesting. I, I had a discussion with a, with a friend uh, a few weeks ago also about what is leadership? You know, we feel there are too many managers and not leaders these days, perhaps. And we also came to the conclusion that leadership is, is serving People, it's not about being in the spotlight, right? Okay, maybe you have a public, uh, public image and that kind of stuff, but it's really about serving your employees, your stakeholders, um, and it's about enabling. Like you said, you know, you move stuff out of the way and you enable people to become the best versions of themselves, both personally and, and professionally. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, becoming a leader, uh, and, and this is actually my, my chapter one lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you better should understand what you're getting into because uh, leadership means uh, giving up your, your most of your personal uh, you know, uh, interests and activities because uh, you are so much focusing on uh, the, the folks you're working with. Uh, four major stakeholder groups in every organization are the shareholders, your team members, the customers, and the suppliers, and then you have an ecosystem around that. And one thing I've learned over 40 years, in some cases very painfully, is that uh, these leadership groups over time need to be balanced. You cannot work only for shareholders, and you cannot only work for team holders, by the way, that would be a union leader. But if, you, if you're trying to run a successful business, you need to balance the interest of those four stakeholder groups very, very well. Uh, which doesn't say that you know everybody gains in every you know minute or year um, an, an advantage, but it needs to be balanced over time because mm -hmm. otherwise you you get a lot of issues. And I have very often the situation that uh, young students come and say, you know, Hannes, if I want to be a global leader, you know, what do I need to do in order to make that work? And I always tell them, you know. The first thing is you go back home and talk to your spouse or significant other and say, hey, honey, I made the following decision. I'm going to become a global leader. What does that mean? Well, I will probably be gone for 250 days a year. 
sleeping out of hotels, traveling all over the world. And I will not be here if you need me, whether somebody dinged the car in the parking lot uh, or you, you have a flat. Um, in the extreme, uh, to the first spoken words of our children, there will be birthdays and Christmas and others, you know, uh, occasions where I will not be here, I will not be with you, and even if you have the flu and need to lay in bed, I can take care of you because I might be in a completely different part of the world. And if your spouse then says, uh, okay, honey, I understand and I accept that because if this is what you want to do, I support this, then you have a good chance to make it because if that's not the case, then uh, you, you will either not be married for long or not have that significant others for long in your life. You will be very lonely. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you need to put those cards on the table. I was extremely lucky insofar as I met my wife at a time when I was already doing that. So for her, it was not, not new. She knew she that knew, from the yeah. very beginning. And uh, I was also lucky because she's a, a very strong woman that has also her interest. She is a member of the House of Representatives in, in Florida. Uh, so she's traveling a lot. So that that worked out quite well. But I've seen other situations where uh, leaders uh, very, very often had to fight on their personal behavior, personal losses and personal situation, and, mm -hmm. and that's not a good thing. Yeah. So work-life balance is, is not the, the, <laughs> the main benefits of being a global leader. No, work-life balance uh, does not show up in the dictionary of leadership, that's for sure. Okay. Um, you know, the, this, this, is, this is a full, full, full-time job. And, and the little time you have uh, when, when you're off, uh, that needs to be dedicated to your spouse and your children. Mm -hmm. So all your personal interests, uh, you know, your sailboat or your golf buddies or whatever, have to step back. And, and that's something you, you really can't do because, uh, you know, even, even the, the greatest leadership only has 24 hours mm -hmm. in a day. Let, let's dive into that a little bit because, um, I've noticed, or people talk about this, you know, people smarter than I am, the, you know, this work-life balance, for example, is extremely important for, for younger generations, right? Um, work-life balance, privacy, these kind of things, um, including your students. So, so how do you, how can they maybe make this decision? Or how could you help them or leaders help them make this decision whether they want this or not? Uh, helping make a decision is difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I think once you you have found your mission, once you have found what what you, what you're doing well, and if it's leadership or contribution to leadership, and you want to go that route, then go and try it. But be aware that uh, you know. Mm -hmm life work balance is definitely not happening and it's it's clearly it's a lifestyle that you need to choose that you need to want and it's 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 really cool to have all the gold platinum and diamond cards from all the hotels and all the airlines and <laughs> I, I have most of them and and yet uh, it's it's something you know that that's only on the on the outside uh, really glamorous 
because in very, very rare occasions I have actually experienced more than uh, airports, cabs, hotel rooms, meeting rooms, and then going back with the cab to the airport and fly back. Uh, so to be able to evolve yourself in different cultures, spending time there is, is rather rare and far apart because you just don't have the time for it. Okay. And do you think there's a difference in, in why people want to become a leader these days, so the younger generation, as opposed to your generation, for example? Maybe it is more the, the glamour, perhaps, that, they, that they're seeking or, yeah. or not. Well, uh, th th there are, I, uh, to a certain extent, I do believe that from a personality trait, there are kids out there that you just have it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, very articulate, outgoing uh, personalities that can easily make friends. Uh, that are natural leaders in the sense of, uh, you know, they create leaders and not just followers, right? So people who are able to uh, help uh, their, their colleagues and friends to also advance in whatever they try to do. And I think that this is an important trait that uh, people can figure out for themselves. Is, is this something that I like to do? And I, I do have two sons. One is 25, the other one is 22. And uh, my 25-year-old is, is clearly a born leader because he, he has won uh, national speaking competitions and stuff mm -hmm. like that. He's very articulate. Uh, he's also in the finance uh, uh, arena. He's working in New York. And so he is uh, you know, easily making friends. He, he loves to give the direction. He's also a hard worker, so he's mm -hmm. not, not uh, really looking at the work-life balance. My younger one, he's 22, he's just finishing with his uh, math degree. And he rather sits in front of the you know, PC and works on, on, uh, on topics and issues that are interesting to him. So he doesn't have that you know, natural drawn towards uh, leadership uh, activities. Okay, so he doesn't really have that, that drive. So this is maybe something that, that you really need or you, you can find in yourself, perhaps. If, if maybe maybe it, will, it will pop up at some point uh, later in his life. It w as I said, I, I was not there at, my, at age 25, where my mm -hmm. Michael already is. But uh, you definitely need to have that you know, situation that shows you that leadership is also a qualification. You, you come from your studies, and you learned engineering or business or whatever. And then you're trying to do the best in that job, and you never see that there is, you know, that leadership line, this this additional uh, qualification that you need to to do great things. Because one one thing is for sure, you can't become a leader by having no knowledge on on any of the the factual sciences, right? Mm -hmm. So you you have to have that basis as well. But then to see whether or not this is uh, exciting you to you know, serve a team, mm -hmm. to develop a team, to help those folks in your team to to grow and become better and uh, achieve mm -hmm. together objectives that are way out there. It, it's a great satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've led small teams as well, and this is what, what drew me most to that, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're doing something together, you have the overview, and, and then the satisfaction of actually reaching your goals, absolutely. Um, I'm going to circle back a little bit to um, what you mentioned about these natural kind of leadership characteristics um, that you see in your sense. 
um, social skills, um, maybe a bit extroverted, um, articulate, these kind of things, making friends easily. Th there is, however, some research that shows that uh, introverted people are actually as good or maybe even better leaders than extroverts. Where do you think this, this difference lies? Could be. Um, I have seen those two. They are usually coming and growing out of an organization in an organization. Mm -hmm. um, goes very, very close with, with humble leadership, which is absolutely a new trend over the last few years. Uh, that uh, show off Mercedes driving, uh, you know, leader is mm -hmm. not necessarily anymore, you know, um, not opportune, the best leader. Yeah, okay, opportune yeah. anymore. Um, uh, you know, the the in, in in your face policy is is definitely not not a very good thing mm -hmm. for a leader nowadays. Um, so yeah, I've seen. In introverted, uh, but definitely humble leaders uh, that, uh, you know, set up good plans that are uh, definitely giving the organization good directions. When it comes then to, you know, the motivational portion of, of, of that leadership, they, they need, they need uh, a team, a group, uh, another person to you know, communicate that mm -hmm. and make people uh, go that route. Uh, if, if you don't have somebody in the front saying, follow me, um, then it's really hard to, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to figure out the direction, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I get that. You know, but it's still about things like, like empathy, emotional intelligence, uh, humble, you know, being yeah, humble and, and making sure that you're not the one in the spotlight necessarily because right. it's not about you. It's not. It, it's about you, and it's not about you. Mm -hmm. There's actually a very good YouTube video about that topic. Um, it's it's about you, and it's not about you. Is uh, you know, I, I always say, I'm I'm the man behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. So I leave the stage to others. I leave the stage to team members, um, and I'm behind the curtain, making sure that everything is lined up. Everybody is following the, the you know kind of the director of a, of a theatric. Uh, um, um, event, so to speak, um, and you know, un unfortunately, it's very often that you have to go on stage, uh, particularly in, in in my job now, when you have to meet with the ministers or mayors or other politicians. Mm -hmm. so then um, you you have to take the, the stage uh, just because they wanna. Um, you know they want to uh, talk to 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 leadership, but wherever I can, I'm gonna make sure that that my folks get their screen time and they get mm -hmm. uh, their stage time. And and I think this is very important. I'm I'm also a, a true believer in in not taking credit. Um, you know, credit where credit belongs, mm -hmm. and um, that needs to be communicated throughout the organization as well. Okay. So we talked a little bit about um, younger generations. What do you think that these younger generations who are now stepping into leadership positions, whether they're 25, 30, 35 years old, what do you think they can bring to the table as compared to perhaps uh, other generations? Well, we don't forget, we, we grew up um, learning out of books, 
uh, worst case learning out, out of, of encyclopedias. But um, in, in the age of Google, where you can look every information up within uh, seconds or milliseconds, uh, they learn completely different and they continue to learn with an extreme speed. So what they bring to the table is that they have a clearly, uh, you know, a, a wider horizon, a variance of uh, of uh, knowledge. Uh, they have also um, the opportunity to look into and get deeper into other topics. So they have a, a relatively, you know, well-rounded uh, education usually. Um, what they also bring to the table is uh, a, a technology edge. Uh, mm -hmm. So you know, for for I learned Excel when I was already a grown up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the other folks uh, nowadays they learn Excel and they go into into primary school. Yeah. Um, so th this is all making a difference. The um, the uh, number one. Um, technology affine growing up for them this is not something they need to learn that's something they have yeah uh, the other thing that I see with young people is that they are much more open to uh, change to diversity uh, they don't believe in uh, in things I, I've, I've had friends that said for me it was so uh, comforting uh, at age 20 something to know that when I retire at age 65, I know exactly how much money I make and uh, you know when I'm gonna retire, the exact date and everything, and I'm gonna stay there for my entire life. This is this is a person who worked with a kind of an uh, you know uh, an administration here in Austria, and uh, and I don't see that in young people anymore. Uh, you know, young people want to experience more thing they want to choose their employer based on on uh, you know their opportunities uh, to to come along to create new things to um, being challenged um, so they uh, what 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 stayed the same is uh, that I, I, I can say from my own experience I always have chosen my my boss so I, mm -hmm. I didn't start in a company without looking very closely to who I'm working for and who is leading me because I wanted to make sure that at least one of two things are fulfilled and that was that he is either as a human being uh, a really good you know uh, um, good person good values right uh, a good example for me so to speak or professionally so I can learn something from him mm -hmm. and um, and I see that in young people now too. So when I talk to, to the younger folks, my students, my children, then they are very critical about looking at, you know, who is, the, who is their leader? Uh, is that somebody that, you know, is an example? Do you want to behave like that? Uh, do you be, are you going to be able to learn something from this person? And obviously, if both things fit together, you have a perfect situation because then you have a leadership where you can, you know, truly learn and develop yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's let's dive a little bit into into your your booklets as you call it so uh, so fondly. Um, you have one chapter I think it's called "In the Glass House." Mm -hmm. uh, links a bit into this this perception of privacy, perhaps. Or can you 
explain a little bit what, what that's about? Yeah. So one, once you're a leader, once you're leading a team, you are always observed in, in, in every single which way and also in your private matters because people try to find out who is this guy or girl. Mm -hmm. um, you know, can I trust him? Is he doing what he's saying? Also in his private matters, right? How is he talking about mm -hmm. his, his spouse, his children, his family? Uh, what kind of values does he follow there? So once you are in a leadership position, you are in a glass house because people are trying to figure you out and uh, you are always out there and, and the, the spotlight is, is very bright. I mean, people are, you know. So showing behavior that sometimes can, seen, can be seen at non-humble leaders, uh, very good examples also from the, from the politics. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, yes. Um, are not necessarily good behaviors that uh, that then you know go its way through the entire organization because people start talking about that as well. Right. So you have to be careful how you behave, uh, how you talk about people, um, and uh, and make sure that you always have an optimistic out view in 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 mm -hmm. each and every single category, because uh, there is nothing. Uh, easier to pick up on you than if you have, uh, you know, if you are skeptic about anything, right? Mm -hmm. So it, once okay. you start hesitating, talking about certain topics, or if they they realize those are concerns to you, it automatically becomes concerns to them, and so you need to try to avoid that at all costs. Right. So it, it's about accountability, walking the talk, you know, being authentic. Authentic. Yes, absolutely. Th that's the good word. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, perfect. They they see through you immediately once you try to act. So, in IT, it's the Visuvik. What you see is what you get, right? Yes. So, same thing here. That goes for leaders. Yes. Um, so, you were 25 when you started yeah. in, in, in a leadership position. So, you had ample time to, to promote people, prepare people in, in your own organization that... that become managers, become leaders. Um, how do you go about, go about that? You know, the first time you take on a leadership position, how, what can they expect, for example? Well, first time leadership positions are the most difficult one and the most crucial one. Um, usually, usually you get your first leadership position out of a promotion in your own organization. It's, it's very unlikely that even if you're a very good engineer, you are hired in a leadership position in engineering management from, from one company to the other. So that, that's, that's a, a, you know, rather rare. Mm -hmm. So when it happens that you're promoted uh, from out of a team, you suddenly working as a leader of a team that you were buddies with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's creating a lot of issues and a lot of stress. And I've seen leaders fail in that position voluntarily. They come back to me and say, hey, I don't want to have that job anymore. Because if they are trying to now, you know, lead that team, and that means also to, you know, reprimand them if they do something wrong and to, to you know, straighten them out if, if, if it's not going the right direction. Um, then they 
feel that um, uh, conflict of their personal relationships towards their mm -hmm. uh, leadership relationship. And, and that, that can uh, create all kinds of things. Worst case, they are not acting as your leader or manager in your organization, but more than like a, a union leader, depending yeah. the team's um, uh, wishes and, and uh, desires. And so it, it's very, very difficult uh, to grow out of one team and become their leader. What we have done in the past, or wh where we have improved in the past, is that if we take um, leaders out of lower ranks, so we're going to uh, give them a promotion, that we are not letting them work in the same team. So there's some cross-functionality right. that we, we use uh, because it made it so much easier. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine. I mean, I've been in this situation before, okay, lower stakes by far, right? And think back at university, uh, I was president of my students' union. You know, you get elected for, from, from the, the current board members. And what happened, of course, is because, you know, the students, all my friends come up to me and say, hey, this is, this is awesome, congrats. I want to be the board next year, right? So in the end, sure. you know, you, you end up, you know, with 20, 23 people on the board, you know, that you're then leading. Half of them are, are your best friends. And I mean, what I try to do is like, draw this very clear line between this is the quote-unquote professional, you know, the, the, the student union business versus this is our personal business. And, and that helped, I think. You couldn't straighten out everything, I suppose. Uh, but this is, of course, in this situation, this wasn't, wasn't possible. But I can totally imagine that, you know, having them in the same organization but leading a different, different group, different cell, that probably helped. That definitely helps. Uh, and, and it takes this you know, personal relationship uh, away, you know, for, for a pretty good degree because people who are working together uh, every day for eight hours, mm -hmm. you know, they, they know a lot. Many of them know them, know, you know, privately, know the spouses. And, and that's very, very difficult, uh, particularly if you continue to grow up in this organization and then you have to make a tough decision, lay off people, for example. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, it, it's very conflicting, right, uh, to, to lay off people, not, not only because of, of, of qualification, but just knowing their background, you know, oh, he still has two kids in the college and the wife is unemployed right now, you know, yeah. makes you rethink your decisions and you need to make sure that you make the best decision for the organization and not for your personal relationships. And that can be extremely difficult. Yeah. How do you or can you even, you know, we talked a little bit about teaching leadership, leadership trainings, uh, the dozen or more that you've done in your life. Um, is it is it even possible for first-time leaders to um, be prepared just with this kind of training? So there there are opportunities to be better prepared. Mm -hmm. um, what what is so difficult on 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 you know becoming a perfect leader? And I'm far from a perfect leader because I I'm I'm learning still, right? Uh, and the reason why I'm learning still is because I am confronted with situations that I haven't had in the past. Okay. So I can't pull from experience uh, always in, in each and every situation. And that's what's making you a great leader, to have a lot of those experiences that you can put together. One of, of the lessons that I'm teaching my folks at, at, at the college is that I say, you know, if, if your toolbox only has a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. So you need to try to fill up 
the toolbox with other instruments than a hammer, so you have more opportunities uh, to, uh, to react uh, appropriately to the situation. So I have had bosses that were screaming all the time, uh, which completely loses its effect after a certain period of time because, you know, he's a screamer. He screams all the time. So, uh, you know, if, if you only have a hammer, it's very difficult. So you, to create a larger toolbox from a psychology point of view, how you're dealing with, uh, with certain uh, uh, situations and with certain people is certainly helping. Uh, because it, it's just it's widening you know, your field of operation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But um, you can still encounter situations where you're like, okay, how should I react to that now? And uh, you know, and, and that's helping you to grow. Yeah. How do you go about that in these new situations? Do you do you confide in people? Do you talk to people? Uh, well, if it if it's not um, if it's not an acute situation, mm -hmm. okay. Like I have uh, had very uh, strict rules when it comes to work safety on the shop floor. Uh, there, I would go and immediately uh, talk to to the person and reprimand them for not wearing eyeglasses or whatever. So the, you know, you can't say, "Oh, well, we're going to do that during the next review," right? So that needs to be addressed immediately. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, uh, not everything needs to be addressed immediately, and uh, what. What I also learned is, uh, you know, try to get a comprehensive understanding of the situation and not just listen to the first voice telling you, oh, this is going on, I don't like that. Uh, because um, more often than not, those things are very complex things that need, need to be resolved and decisions need to be made. So try to get as much information. So if it's not acute, Take yourself time to to investigate the situation mm -hmm. and have a better feeling on on what the right decision and what the right decision right. would be. Right. Last question, perhaps. Um, taking everything into account that, that we talked about, you know, and then drawing from your experience in in the industry, do we have enough leaders? Too many managers? Too few? Well, if I have a. a a small spectrum of, of feedback that I'm getting every year from my, my student groups um, because they, they most of them are working and studying at the same time. And um, I, I, it, in those ranks where they are active, they have very often managers. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, if I look at particularly the Austrian uh, industry landscape, uh, with now, you know, leadership provided by females in companies like Infineon and Siemens and others, uh, we, we are getting good leaders. And I'm extremely uh, happy to see more female leaders as well, uh, because they, they are, in, in general, they are more empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, uh, that's uh, one of, of the special traits. And, uh, and uh, it's... It, uh, yeah, we need more good leaders. Uh, we need more humble leaders that become um, become the idols for the next generation of leaders. Uh, I would wish that we would have some some more of those idols also in politics because they are much more uh, having much more TV TV time and screen yeah, time yeah. than 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 industrial leaders, um, and and they could give you know good examples. I had I had the unbelievable pleasure uh, in 
Tuesday, I was in Berlin at the um, Maschinenbau Gipfel, German mm -hmm. Maschinenbau Gipfel 2023. And uh, uh, Robert Habeck, the vice chancellor of, of Germany, was there and, and speaking to us. And it's unbelievable for a, a person in, in, you know, being, being the leader of the Green Party in Germany, being the vice chancellor, how humble he is, how, how well articulated he is, uh, to a certain extent, how funny he is when he talks. And, and yet, uh, you know, the, the machine tool manufacturers, and there were 900 people in that room, right? And not necessarily the big friends of the Green Party and the policy that Robert Habeck is making. And, and yet he was so winning and, and uh, so good in the discussion that he got standing ovations. I mean, it just mm -hmm. uh, shows you great leaders <laughs> may not always be born, but certainly can develop into, into such also in politics. Absolutely. So we need more role models. We absolutely need more role models. And uh, yes, he, you know, you, you make a mistake here and there, and he made a mistake with this thing there. Um, where he was hefty have, have uh, criticized, but yeah. uh, he's still, uh, you know, very good example for me as a leader. I've seen him once before, but but this uh, meeting with him on, on Tuesday just showed me uh, that he's really one of the advanced ones. So that that's great. Okay, I think we're running out of time, unfortunately. Okay, so cool. Hannes, thank you so much for coming down the stairs. It was, <laughs> it was amazing picking your brain about leadership and global leadership. And uh, I'm sure that we'll see some of your students and some of the young people that you've mentored over the years uh, grow up to be impressive and, and exciting leaders of the new generation. I sure hope so. Well, thank you so much, Maxime, for having me and uh, for doing this. And again, if you, if you uh, have questions in this regard, of, or if anybody has questions in this regard, uh, come approach me and we can discuss that. I'm more than happy to share my experience with anybody. Fantastic. And if they can't reach you, there's always the booklet. Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Hannes. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to subscribe to The Art of Making on the podcast platform of your choice. We're also more than happy to hear from you. Or reach out through the EIT Manufacturing website. That is eitmanufacturing.eu or find us on the usual social media channels. Take care and talk soon.